All right. We'll get started as you guys can wrap up the little quiz area. Um, so today we've got uh, basically hops on the, on the docket. Um, we're going to go through our, our, some of our true and false questions, talk a little bit about the exam again, um, then move into our technical topics of hops. Uh, we've got a bunch of kind of off flavors, I guess, for, for hops and little lesser stuff in there as well. And then move into a few different types of hoppy beers, British bitters, Pale Commonwealth, and uh, IPAs. Um, okay, so let's uh, turn to our true and false questions. All right. um, starting with number 40. 41. 41. The consensus score assigned to the beer is not necessarily an average score, and that is true. The consensus can be whatever the group comes to a consensus. A lot of times an average is easy um, and non-contentious, but... Uh, yeah. Nine times out of ten it ends up being uh, consensus, but... Uh, it, and no person technically has... Like, uh, I'm the older Joe or the master judge. My score is weighted higher. It need, the group needs to come to consensus on the score themselves. Uh, 42, when judging, it's important to evaluate entries quickly and also complete the score sheets thoroughly and completely. Uh, that's true. It's, it's a balance of trying to get everything out there as well as doing it a, in a, a pace that moves the competition along. Um, maybe 10 minutes-ish. So I'll hand over to you. On average, experienced judges should be able to completely evaluate a beer, including arriving at a consensus in 10 minutes. True? Yeah. Um, practically speaking, it's probably more 15-ish, um, but uh, 10 minutes is kind of the goal for moving along nice and quickly. I'll let you take a step oh, if sure. you want to. When there's a discrepancy in the scores for a given beer, the lower-ranked judge should yield to the opinion of the highest-ranked uh, BJCP judge at the table. This would be false. That's false. Yeah. Nobody, it has to be a group consensus. Okay. Um. 45, it is acceptable to remove offenses from the entries from the judging table after they've been evaluated. Uh, true? True, yep. Uh, ask the stewards or anyone else, or anyone else from running the competition if you need help with that. Um, you generally shouldn't take them away yourself in case there's an area that they don't want you going into. They'll, they'll have somebody to help you out with that. A lot of times there will be a bucket dump bucket in your table too in case something goes wrong and you may need to ask them to take that away too if it's got a bunch of stinky stuff in it after. Okay? Uh, 46, a judge must disqualify an entry if the bottle has raised lettering or if the cap has identifying marks. Uh, true? That's false. The And the, it, there's a small part of it true. Um, Bottles are supposed to be received in accordance with whatever the competition rules are. So it may involve not having raised lettering, and it may involve not having um, uh, identifying marks of the cap. However, if it, the beer has been brought to the judge, the judge is not in charge of disqualifying as the competition organizer's job. Um, so he may bring it up, but realistically, if it's on the table, the competition organizer has already approved it being out there. Uh, 47, a judge may disqualify an entry if uh, it has an improper bottle or cap. False? That's false. Same reason. Okay. 48, only the judge, director, or competition organizer can disqualify an entry. True. That's true. Yep. 49, the results of the bottle inspection does not affect the scoring. True? That's true. It's just for observations and kind of getting you ready for what's about to happen. Uh, 50. <laughs> Why do I get this one? <laughs> 
<laughs> um, snide or rude comments are unacceptable on score sheets. True. That's true. You should always try to be honest, objective, and not provide subjective, jerky feedback. 51. Pour each entry in a manner that gives it its optimum appearance, keeping in mind that some entries may be over or under-carbonated. True. Yep, that's true. And that's kind of one of those areas where the bottle inspection can help you. If it's got a ton of sediment on the bottom, you might want to do that. If the cap is bulging out, you might want to pay attention to, to, to those things. Um, but yeah, just want to pour for a good head. 52. When you suspect an entry has been placed in the wrong flight based on the style being judged, you should request that it be judged in a different flight instead. And that's false? That is false. Um, and we'll follow it up with, when you suspect an entry has been placed in the wrong flight based on the style being judged, you should consult with the judge, director, or competition organizer. That's true. So if you get a, are judging pilsners and they bring out a clearly dark beer, you might just say, hey, can you double check in the database that this is either the right beer? They may go look for another model of it to make sure that it wasn't just mislabeled in the back. Um, a lot of times the entrant may have entered a stout and a pilsner and they just may have gotten crossed either on their own or in the processing. Um, so they can check a few of those things. In the meantime, typically you might as well go ahead and just start filling out the evaluation. Remembering as you're filling out your evaluation, you really don't have to focus on the style until the very end. Um, and if they come back and say, nope, this is a Pilsner, um, you're already mostly done. You haven't just sat, there, sat around taking care of it. Um, so remember, you can't, you can't pick what it's judged as, but if the competition organizer comes back and says, all right, we're going to have you judge this as us, this instead, or get you the correct bottle, they can do that. Just not you. Okay. Um, sniff the entry immediately after pouring to ensure proper evaluation of volatile aromatics. Yep, that's true, and then keep coming back to it later. So there is no need to sniff the aroma immediately after pouring the entry into the glass. So false. That's false, yep. Right. Uh, 56 judges should uh, complete the evaluation of each entry before moving on to the next. That's true? That's true, for, especially for a BJCB format. There are some other competition formats where that may not be true, but um, this is for a BJCP standard one, yep. Uh, 57, it's not necessary to offer any feedback for improvement if you have a score above 40. <laughs> it, that's, false. that's false. Yep, you're right. Um, you always should, it's not a perfect score, so there's obviously <coughs> something that could be improved upon. Um, just pick at least one or two nuances or things that you could possibly tweak it into. And you can express it as a, I'm picking nits here, but I mean, in order to maybe get to a 50, just have this, a, I needed this beer a week ago. Yeah. Uh, uh, when it would have been absolutely at its prime. But I mean, there's yeah very small nits once you get up above 40. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't have to have this monstrous dissertation on why it's not a perfect beer, but something in there should be. Okay? 58. It's common practice to refrain from sharing your thoughts while judging beer uh, until the other judges have completed their course you true. That's true. And that goes back to just hearing something can pre-bias your brain to picking it up uh, even more where you should just be focusing on just raw sensory evaluation, not biasing yourself or other people. Okay? Uh, if you're very familiar with the beer style, it's preferable to disregard the BJCP style guidelines and rely on your personal expertise instead. That's false. That's false. That 
you are not God. <laughs> the the guidelines of the, the Bible to refer to. Right. If rushed, it's acceptable to write only comments and overall score on a score sheet, leaving the scores for the subsection blank. False. That's false. Yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Couple of little kind of trickers in there. All right. So, um, going to talk just to kind of go back through a little review of the the overall pro exam program again. Uh, so, if you wanted to pull out the BGSP exam program description, uh, we'll do that. Um, but basically, so we're moving through the class now. Um, we've covered I don't know twenty or thirty different styles so far. We're starting to cover most of the technical topics. Um, in, in once again, we're, fo we're focusing on preparing for the online exam and then the um, the subsequent tasting exam. So uh, the we're, we're just talking, we're going to try to maybe do the tasting exam or sorry, the practice online exam in here in about two weeks, okay? Um, so we'll have a, we'll hopefully have a computer set up back there. We'll log in under a somebody's name, Joe Blow. Um, and you guys can go back in groups of three or four and practice taking some of the questions just to see what it's like. But it's a lot of multiple choice, the true and false kind of ones that we're going through in the class. Um, things like uh, an American uh, light lager is hoppy, very, very light, malty, or whatever, and pick the most appropriate one of those kind of things. Uh, fill in the blank a little bit as well. There's some style comparisons. What do brown porter, you know, what what are the characteristics shared across these styles? Um, and once you get into those multiple choice ones, it's it's best to if you don't know them right away, skip over them. Mm -hmm. Those are sort of the time sinks that you can waste a lot of time. You know, uh, is it is it 200 questions or 100 questions? 200. 200 questions. 200 questions yeah. in an hour. In an hour. Yeah. Um, and you've got to get a roughly a 60 percent. You know, I'm not sure what the cutoff is, but yeah. it's certainly very doable um, mm -hmm. as long as you you know you go through and hit the ones that you know definitely and don't get bogged down. You can always come back at the end of the yeah. 60 minutes and, and revisit. You can tag questions. I'm pretty sure for revisit as well to help speed that process up. Um, but I mean, move. Th it's one of those move through nice and quickly. Um, you need to be hitting like what two or three basically correctish ones in a in a minute to be doing pretty well. Um, Let's see, they, they, they describe the, the way that you can earn complete points or, 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 or par partial points on it, I guess, um, as well. Um, but yeah, I guess whatever. So comparison, so you gotta, this is where, an area where it's good to go read through the style comparisons notes at the end of each style saying, all right, this beer is darker than this other style and hoppier than this other style to provide that kind of... Uh, so it's what makes it, sets it apart as a distinct style yeah. versus... Uh, so it's an American stout is X and not Y, and that's why it's its own. Uh, yeah, it is open book. I mean, so you can possibly have either other things open on your computer or um, next to you. But if you're going to be flipping through pages, you're probably going to slow yourself down a little too much. Yeah. So definitely go off of intuition and then try to identify the ones you can um, nail down later. Uh, any any questions that people have? and this is so in order to take any of the subsequent tests you need to have passed at least this or taking the other test um, earlier. So any questions on the tasting or sorry the well the online? I have a question about the tasting. Okay, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so that has to be completed prior to taking the other. So for those who are going to end up taking the exam, 
we, we really want to have these kind of knocked out about two weeks in advance or make sure that don't, you're going Don't to assume you're going to do it the night before. A lot of people end up canceling because yeah. they put it off and put it off and put it off and then... And most of the people who don't pass the first time pass on the second or third yeah. time. It's, it's one of those, you get a good idea of what it actually takes to get through. Um, they have a, you can buy a three pack basically of tests for 20 bucks. I think it's 10, it's 10 bucks up for one exam. And then you got, or for twenty bucks you can get three. So in case you need to retake, um, but it's they're not trying to deliberately be tricky. They're trying to make sure that you have the the foundations. And they will ask you technical questions about hops, about Malta, and all the things that we've been covering as well. They may one of the questions probably would be something like which of the three, which of these are different mashing techniques: step mash or infusion mash, decoction, and yeah, or you know, we talked um, about yeast last yeah. week in terms of yeast selection. You know, what four things would be taken into consideration for yeast selection? You know, the uh, alcohol tolerance, the you know, mm -hmm. whatever we discussed last week, um, and bitterness, something stupid, yeah, or something. I don't know. Um, so they just questions like that to, to make sure that it has all the foundations that were originally covered on the written exam as well, to some extent. Um, Okay, so after that, uh, we have the, the tasting exam. And so that's going to be six beers presented to you in 90 minutes, one every 15 minutes. Um, uh, we'll bring them out, we'll pour them from a pitcher. Um, you'll have the exact same score sheets that you're grading to right now or that we're filling out every day right now. Um, I'll tell you that it's your, to grade this as a 3A, give you the name of the, the style, and then basically you're supposed to go through and grade as if it, you were presented that beer at, at the table of the competition. Um, so work through, the, you'll note it, well these score sheets have a lot more area than the normal kind of BJCP score sheets do. They want You want you to fill out as much of the space as you can, show that you're really using it, hit all those major areas on each area, so make sure you cover the, the subheadings. The subheadings, on, and the subheadings will, are still on those sheets, so you can check them off as you go through. Um, and then work your way down to the end, provide some sort of a feedback, complete the little check boxes on the side and the bottom as well, um, and then move on to your next beer. Um, I'll tell you from an admin perspective, they want me to give you guys really good beer. They want you, me to give you at least two significantly faulted beers and so to give you guys something to provide a decent amount of uh, feedback on. Um, and so it'll be a mix of homebrew, craft brews, and kind of random um, stuff that I'm able to dig up. Where it'll cover, I guess, think of the major kind of flavor areas. So we're going to have a lager of some sort. Uh, we're going to have some sort of hoppy beer. We're going to have some sort of a dark beer. We're going to have some sort of like a hybrid beer, maybe something like a half or, or a German, uh, some of those uh, all beers and those kind of things. I, I'm not entirely sure what the, the new rules are going to be for the 2015 in terms of how they group the major styles. They're going to want something strong in there, and they're going to want someone Belgian, or something Belgian-y, okay, or some, something that's very, very East. I think it's actually Belgian that they call it. The actual the instructions are available online so that I, you guys can go read them if you really, really want to. It's not a secret. Um, in terms of administering an exam. I have a proctored for a number of Mark's exams. You know, he tends to go with 
pretty mainstream. I mean, yeah. there is some typical. He's not going to throw a, a an English golden ale at you that you know he hasn't covered in the in the class. There's probably going to be either an IPA or an Imperial IPA. There's going to be you know. They, they want you to cover a decent amount of just the mainstreamish ones. Um, they're not. They don't. They, there's specific categories that they say you cannot pick from these categories. Um, any like the the fruit or spice beers or the specialties. They're they're not. It's going to be something that's going to be a normal-ish beer. Um, and then basically bring those out. Don't second guess yourself saying is this the one that he thinks is supposed to be the forty point one, or is this the one that he's going to try to get me down to twenty points on. Um, just grade them as, as you normally would. We have here some techniques, obviously. For the exam itself, you're not going to want to grade exceptionally high and exceptionally low because they go off of a deviation from the proctor's points. Um, so all the proctors would have to be very, 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 very low in order for it to end up low. Um, so be, you can be a little more conservative than you normally would when you're doing a, a real judging where you should exercise more of the full spectrum. Um, but... Um, and we'll we'll cover later on some more test uh, taking tips in, in particular for the for the exam. Um, but question. Well, you kind of addressed it. But okay. You're told what style it is. Yes. But you don't get a look at the. Guide you don't get the guy. Close, close book. Close book with regards to that. There's nothing. You basically have a calculator, flashlight, pencils, and your own wit, and that's about it. Um, and. Yeah. So to me, that kind of says you have to memorize. You need to know, well, once again, going mainstream styles, and you need to know or at least the spirit of the styles in order to do So, you know, I mean, how do you score? You know what I mean? It's, it seems like it would be really hard to score it. Like, yeah, I mean, but generally speaking, Mark isn't going to bring out a, uh, a picture of Budweiser and say, this is a German Pilsner or a Bohemian Pilsner and try to get you to, you know, completely miss the mark. He's not going to bring out a stout and go, this is a Hefeweizen. <laughs> You know, generally he's going, you know, maybe it's adulterated with something that's a Hefeweizen with a pale ale or a Hefeweizen with a, uh, uh, a Berliner, Berliner Weiss for the sort of real tartness yeah. to it. But, um, you, but that being said, you do need to understand the styles, at least the general character of right. each style in order to be able to provide some sort of a, a assessment. You need to know that a, an IPA should have a moderate to extremely high hopping and no hop aroma to it. Um, it and so it, it you do need to you know don't necessarily need to know, you know, oh the color is, you know, this SRM, you know, this range. You know, as long as it's you know in there, you mm -hmm. know, um, you're good. And you know sort of divide up where the points are. Aroma and flavor are your big contribute contributors, mouthfeel and uh, appearance are much smaller. So you know you can you don't have to worry point-wise for those. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll see if I can get a hold of the the admin process for the, the upcoming tests, or because they're obviously they're switching over and going into November. Um, if they'll maybe specify the categories, so you guys can at least get an idea of which ones we'd be looking at um, for the groupings. Um, but once again, just kind of think Belgian-y, kind of think hoppy, something. Pretty, pretty malty and roasty, um, some sort of a lager. And let's face it, if I can't find a lager, I can't serve it to you. So, uh, and I'm not going to go out and buy some obscene weird style. Um, and I also kind of provided that if it's not in both guidelines, I'm not serving it either. Parameter, which 
Hopefully, we'll help you. Can you give the name of the style, not just the number? Yeah, I will. I will give you everything you need to write it out. I'm not going to go give me a three A. Ha ha ha. No, no. And you can ask me as many times as you want. What what style is this again? Okay. Um, you, I, you can probably tell me to spell it for you if you want me to, if that makes you feel better. Um, which goes back to maybe another kind of topic. So as you're writing, make sure this is my problem. Writing as neatly as possible so someone else can read it later. Um, but obviously trying to get stuff out as fast as you can um, and coherently as you can. So once, once you've taken the test, there are two to three proctors sitting in the room apart um, that are tasting the same beers. Uh, the only advantage they have is a set of the style guidelines. Um, I don't tell them what I did to the beer. They don't know. No, they were, you're getting the same information, um, filling out a sensory analysis. Uh, at the end, then, we go and we generate consensus scores. Um, you know, And generally, that's going to be more or less an average of, of where we're at. You know, We may talk it if there's a 10-point spread, talk through and make adjustments otherwise. Um, you know, your twenty, your your score is in five areas, twenty percent uh, each. Um, the first twenty percent is your accuracy in scoring for the proctors. Um, so how close you are, the the differential, uh, and you can only lose up to eleven points. So assuming that you are fifty points off on every beer somehow, going into the negative and above fifty and uh, and all sorts of fantastic things, you're still guaranteed nine points. So, you know, you come out of it, and that's sort of what your guideline is. Um, and then the the second 20% is uh, perception. perception. Did you pick up on the things that the, the proctors were picking up? Did you, and there's also, if enough people in the exam picked up something that the proctors didn't, that also counts for a potential yeah. but um, we, ability. We do it in silence. We're not, you know, so everyone comes up with their own... You know, so if it's in mine and not, you know, one of the other proctors, great. I mean, mm-hmm. that that's probably gives you a, a perception no, point yeah. um, that, that it's in there. Uh, you know, and so generally there's a nice wide highway to drive down yeah. with, with people's opinions. Because, you know, drinking at 9 a.m. on a su- Sunday morning, mm-hmm. you know, we get, we, 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 we're all over the place. Then you have the description. So how well did you actually place words to what you were picking up? Did you... Describe them as both intensity the, and work that down into like the nice third level of, of detail words. And, and here you can be describing a completely different beer, but still get maximum points because it's you know the flowery language. The you know are you building a picture in the proctor or the grader's mind of what this beer actually tasted like? You know you're starting with the most intense components of the aroma. You know, and, and sort of working your way down, and and, and not using the word beery or beery or good, good um, uh, well balanced, lots of malt. There later, I will also give you tips on things not to say in terms of just wasting space with words that have absolutely no value that anger the proctors. Like wow, on initial perception, I get that you just wasted a line. Okay, I I have no idea. What the beer is actually tasting like, besides your very, very person who's easily knocked over, uh, and that sort of leads into the fourth twenty percent, which is completeness, um, which is did you check all the subheadings for aroma, malt, hops, uh, fermentation characteristics? Even if it's not there, did you at least refer to the fact that it's not there? You know, nice, you know, no ester from fermentation. Uh, you know, 
a lot of times you can get no diacetyl, mm-hmm. um, you know, all these things. Uh, you know, same thing for appearance, uh, color, clarity, the three parts of head retention, yeah. you know, texture, the color, and, and the retention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then uh, the fifth 20% is your overall feedback. So that's all contained in that last yeah. box. Um, and basically, they want you to make a comment about the beer, you know, good or, you know, something generally positive. Wow, you really delivered this to the table in fashion that reminded me of a beer. Um, However. <laughs> and then some sort of constructive feedback, you know, on how to improve it. Um, and it's important to focus on what is the major issue. If it's a black stout instead of a pilsner, don't focus on the fermentation character. Go, well, this is really a recipe issue, or we got the wrong, you know, this is... No. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and if, if, you're, if it's a really bad beer, you can focus on a couple things. They want it to be called out. They want it to be connected back to something you detected sensory-wise mm-hmm. in the first four sections, and they want it to be technically accurate in terms of fixing it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we keep drilling home, don't assume you know what the process is. Um, you know, don't say, you know, you overmashed your Carafa 3. Maybe they got stout syrup from their homebrew shop provider, yeah. and they just don't know better. Or just put in coffee. And they just put in coffee. Um, um, yeah, so, and once again, it, it, it is a, you know, this really would have been entered better as a robust porter as compared to brown porter kind of thing. You that bring that up as well. Um, but yeah, those kind of feedback points. I, I, it's usually nice once again, unless it's that forty-point beer. Try to hit maybe two or three things, and at least one corrective technique for each one. Don't forget the corrective technique, um, and that's why the faults little sheet that has here's the major problem, and here's a few ways to fix each one of them. Um, and you can obviously pick one that you may think more. If there's two clues that say, "Hey, this is hazy," and this has. Um, Stringency, you may have some tandem problem going on with this. But ultimately, the grader doesn't make that distinction. As long as it's an identified issue and it's technically correct for that issue, you know, you're good to go. I think that if they know that the beer is doted at something, they may, okay, they they understood the problem with this beer. Yeah. um, And that's, so that's the 100 points, basically. And then, so everything gets compiled together, gets sent off, um, and then. X amount of time layer between three months and six months, so it'll get you back a, a score and an explanation of very. It's become more brief, a brief explanation of why for each beer you did or did not do well on, on the different components, and it'll break it down. You did well on scoring, you did bad on perception, you did good on. They'll they'll give you kind of the range for each each beer that you go through. Um, at least in terms of the plot. Are you a national kind of range? Are you a master? Or are you an apprentice? Or are you recognized? Uh, and then you'll get a numerical score at the bottom, which is the combination. And 60 and above, you passed. Um, 60 to 70, you're a recognized beer judge. 70 to 80, with some experience points, you're a certified beer judge. Uh, anything 80 and above makes you eligible to take the written exam to advance to a national or master rank. Um, so, and once again, don't forget that within the exam program description document, it has the different levels and it has the different number of points and the uh, requirements for each. 
which you'll want and you'll need to memorize for the online exam, I'm pretty sure. So then we'll, and then we'll briefly cover, well, any more questions on the tasting exam? Let's say you don't do so well your first time out, maybe just land on that 60 to 70. How do you gain points to work? Uh, you have to do retake the, the tasting, okay. but you could continue. So you, you yeah. talk about experience points. Yeah, so in, in here we've got the, the, the table for the experience points. So it, your rank is the, the combination of your test scores or the combination of all the, of the test scores that you get. Um, sorry, that may actually sound a little weird. Your maximum tasting score, the maximum tasting score either from the written or the tasting, and then those combined together depending on where you are in the program. I'm making this more complicated. Yeah, that made no sense. Yeah, okay. So the minimum composite score, the composite score being determined of whether or not you've actually taken the written or if you've just taken the tasting. For everyone here... <laughs> It's not a composite score until you take the written, okay. but they're the prerequisites to take the written further down the road for, for the, uh, the higher ranks. Yes. Um, so it's just going to be a, your tasting score plus how many experience points you've earned, yes. or judging points you've earned yeah. um, through so, the BJCP Pro, program. So basically, if you got that between that 16 and 70 and you, you're coming, you're recognized right away. Um, you can get experience points from competitions, but it won't advance you in rank until you take the test again and get a, a, a higher score. So then if you've got that 70, once you've gotten over um, uh, five points, you can get fully up to certified at that point. Oh, sorry. It's one, it's one every week. We're actually teaching is closed on Mondays. Um, okay, so then once you've got a, a, an 80 and you have at least 10 judging points, you're then eligible to take the, the, the legacy of the written exam, basically. Um, that's now five uh, written essay questions and a uh, true and false uh, section up front um, with covering the questions that we've been covering uh, in there as well. Um, and that's where they get into kind of deep essay questions on compare these three styles, uh, create a recipe for, for this, talk about these technical topics, like we've been covering kind of within the class for each of those questions that we see up, up at the front of each section. Um, and then that, combined with your tasting score, um, can give you whatever your composite score is, a new composite score, and that can determine if you get to be <coughs> master or master um, after that. Um, so for every rank, there's kind of a maxing out in terms of, I guess, once you've achieved your potential in terms of earning points, um, you're you're at that, um, but uh, with the exception of the grandmaster. But then you have to do service requirements to keep advancing with that, as well as a experience points. How do you check how many points you have? You go online. You just go online. And <laughs> yeah. And so you'll get a login for the BJCP website. It'll say member login. You can go log in there, and it'll have every time you've taken the test what your score was. And once again, your score can't go down. Okay, so if you take the exam and then you take it again and you do worse, don't worry, you still keep your best score. Um, it, it'll have uh, all the competitions you've judged, anything you've earned points at. Um, it'll have any grandmaster points that you've earned. Continue. So, so you'll get that login a week to two weeks after you take the exam, uh, the, the tasting month. exam <laughs> month, uh, some point, and then anything you've earned retroactively will show up in your record to see them to check and see how many points you've got. Okay. Any other exam questions? Okay. All right. 
with that, I think we'll... Uh, so basically, I guess this, this week I sent out a... If you're interested in actually take, holding one of the exam slots, um, let me know. Um, we've got the uh, November 8th and I think the October 26th um, slots are, are open. If you let me know within the next week, I can hold a slot for you, and then I'll, I'm gonna, I have to start opening up to the, the rest of the people who've been waiting for them as well. Um, but um, take a look through, make sure you're good for it. Realize that you're going to need to take the online exam beforehand, but um, should be able to get you guys in. And I'll send you the information on that. After. Okay. Um, so with that, we'll move into hops. Um, let's see, what's, what's the core the, question? The core question, discuss hops. Describing their characteristics, how these characteristics are extracted, and the beer styles uh, with which the different varieties are normally associated. Um, so basically, hops. All, all, all things hop. Uh, Three pages later. Yes. Yeah. So the hops are the bitter uh, component that sort of balances out the malt sweetness in the beer. Um, they replace what used to be spices. Uh, you know, So they used to be gruits. So there would be a bitter herbal concoction that the, you know, Gruet Guild would hold on to. Um, they discovered that, uh, that the hop provided the same bittering component uh, um, and grew like weeds everywhere. Yeah. So it was an extra bonus. Had nicer flavors and also had some antimicrobial properties as well to help keep the beer a little fresher. So they were, with the passing of the Rhein Heights Kabat, they... Uh, and that recognition of all German beers need to have hops in them, they it really kind of took seed and um, kept going for it as well. Um, so once again, add, adds flavor, adds aroma, and then adds that uh, that bitterness to it as well. Um, the the secondary characteristics that we were talking about before it has my antimicrobial properties. I'm not entirely sure which component that is in hops. Oh, actually, I actually think it's, it's the acidity, the bitterness. Okay, yeah, that's be my guess. Um, and so that helps provide a little bit of stability. Um, it adds some kind of uh, some some proteins and tannins in there, so it helps with some of the ketocoagulation. Um, and then it also has some characteristics that promote uh, a stable head as well. Um, so those are just kind of little side benefits. Um, but I, Alec, you don't have any whole hops here, do you? Sitting around, no. Yeah. Okay. So once again, we're dealing with the it, most everyone here has at least seen hops before. They're it, that nice kind of cone structure. Um, we're dealing with the flower off of the vine um, that that's harvested in kind of a well, right right now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, well, probably a lot earlier, or a little earlier this year, given a little bit of the heat. Um, but that's really the only part we want. And basically, within the the cone, there's uh, little little pockets down in there, and that's where you have these alpha acids and a bunch of the uh, the, the um, um, oils as well. Okay, and that's the part that we're really interested in getting. So that's in the the bracteoles, basically. Um, um, and so this resin or, or that little yellowish stuff that you'll you'll find down there has the alpha acids and the oils um, to to add the alpha acids are going to help with the bitterness and the oils are going to add that that flavor and aroma components. Um, the alpha acids, the, the basically the potency is measured in alpha acid units or sorry not alpha acids, um, alpha acid by weight basically, um, and. Uh, the amount of alpha acids for weights is going to directly affect how much alpha acids we can get into uh, the beer at a later time. All right. 
So um, there are generally two families, um, and this is this has become even more of a blurred line um, in in the last few years. Once we now that we've really gotten into uh, advancing the ge- the genetics, basically of hops, and doing a lot of selection, a lot a lot more trials than they used to back a hundred, two hundred years ago, where Hops were really just picked for this hop tastes good and it didn't die on the vine because of mildew and yeah. Um, well, and then by the, the seventies, early eighties, it was all about the alpha acid content. So basically, they were extracting it for the, the larger brewers. So all that mattered was how much can each cone hold, how much you know yield can I get per acre of, of hop farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know you saw some super high yielding, but you know not necessarily flavorful or, or enjoyable hop uh, characteristics. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's it's going to be a function of the mixture or basically the profiles of the the alpha acids and the profiles of the um, oils. Um, in terms of which one, the oils are going to be the ones that define the, the aroma. And so we're, we've got the aroma family of hops, and then the ones that we're aiming for getting a lot more bitterness out of, those tend to be the bittering hops, but now we've got the majority of dual-purpose hops, um, in my mind, with the exception of the, the kind of legacy, the, the noble hops. Um, and so the noble hops are kind of the traditional Germanish or the, the continental ones. Um, they're prized for their, their aromas, um, and there are basically four particular varieties. Um, so you got Sats, Spalt, uh, Tettinger, and Hallertau Milfru. Uh, I don't want to say that. That sounded great to me. Okay. And Alex, can you say that any better? The Hallertau Milfru. It is? Okay. All right. Um, so that may be a question that's on the exam. Those are kind of four important ones to, to memorize. Um, because yeah. those will those will come up pretty often, and you'll see them included in a lot of um, particularly German uh, recipes, as well as uh, a little bit of the Czech and as well. Yeah. Uh, so, um, so once again, there's no real, real, true types in terms of the the, the different uh, how much what what exact blend of the different kind of uh, oils, what blend of alpha acids you need to have. Um, but there's just kind of some general truths in terms of that. Understand that these, this was written by the BJCP several years ago, <laughs> so it doesn't cover a lot of the newer, newer hop types. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the stuff that they're talking about aroma-wise, uh, you know, they're talking about low alpha varieties like Saws, Tetnanger, Fuggles, Cascade, uh, Mount Hood, Crystal, uh, Willamette, Holler Tower, yeah. uh, you know, and those are still part out there in the uh, in the in the world, and people yeah. do still use them, but you know, it's the, it's the more uh, the, the newer, more exciting. You know, the uh, Simcoe, the uh, Calypso, the Citra, yeah. um, uh, and especially the New World stuff from uh, Australia, and New Zealand. Uh, you know, coming up, Galaxy, uh, Motuaka. Um, you know, all these things that are bringing new, uh, sort of more tropical notes to the to the hop character. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, you know, uh, the bittering ones that they list, uh, you know, uh, Chinook, Eroica, Brewer's Gold, uh, and then they're calling out as dual purpose Columbus, Cluster, Perla, Centennial. Um, you know, Columbus and Centennial obviously still in significant use, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you don't see a lot of uh, Chinook, um, and I'd be hard pressed to think that there's any Eroica. Left in the ground, any place. <laughs> um, and so, uh, when, when people actually 
or they're they're starting to get a little better about this in terms of giving nice profiles in terms of what how much of each of the different kind of alpha acids you need because you got cohumulone, adhumulone, and I'm blanking on the last one. Um, and humulin, sorry. Yeah. Um, and similarly, you've got, like, uh, for the oils. Well, actually, there's a, there's a bunch of different kind of oils out there that, that lend their different kind of profiles. Um, but so, yeah, when we look at the, the alpha acid components, oh, sorry, there it is. Humulin, cohumulin, adhumulin, they vary a little bit, and some can maybe make it a little coarser of a bitterness than a smoother bitterness. Um, Basically, these are insoluble uh, chemicals. They're resins, but uh, and when they kind of come out in, into basically a vigorous boil, they isomerize and then become soluble, water soluble. They change around, basically, uh, still the same chemical, but just in a different shape that makes them soluble. Um, and then that is a, uh, basically enables bitterness to be formed in the beer. Um, and this is a function of a few different things that we'll talk about um, in just a bit in terms of time, how, how vigorous the boil is, and all those things. Um, then you have the oils, uh, and these are, once again, all sorts of different kind of profiles, but they're very volatile, so the longer you boil, uh, the more of those are going to get driven off, so we tend to put these in towards later in the boil, um, so they're preserved and, and kept within the beer. Um, and then there's basically a few different major forms that you'll find them in, so we'll, we'll pass around some of these. Um, I, these are going to be the pellets, and this is what you're going to probably see, I don't know, what, 80% of the time out there. Um, so it's a the hot matter that's been kind of pulverized and pushed through a dye press to form um, into a little pellets. Um, and so passing that. that one's Cascade. Um, and so you can open up the bag and take or sniff that one as well um, for, for some of the profile. Um, then you have the whole hops, which are just going to be the, um, the flour, and those will be dried out. Um, but uh, they, they are typically thought to be a little more or well-preserved in terms of preserving some of the oils because the pelletization process drives out a bit more of the, or goes to a higher but when, it, when it goes up, the heat goes up, the, the oils volatilize off. Mm-hmm. Um. This is a new experimental that's... Oh, a little bit, I think, was supposed to be on the somewhat noble-ish side. I can't remember for sure. Um, so a little more floral and uh, um, then the citrusy like the other, uh, the Cascade. There are also plugs, which are kind of a crushed-together version of um, so a bunch of cones. It's not quite pelletized. Uh, you hardly ever see those anymore. And then you might see isomerized ec- or extracts, which are going to be um, kind of a, a liquid, which can either you can chew in basically. And yeah, and the, uh, the, the extracts are what's becoming available to home brewers and uh, more available to craft brewers. Yeah, used to be more. Yeah, you're basically you're basically going to see yeah. whole 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 cone mm-hmm. pellets or the extract, yeah. um, and that's you know the the plugs are great, but uh, you know you don't see them out there on the market. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so moving into bitterness, uh, the about, basically the, the overall boiling process is going to, and, and whatever we're putting into it is going to define how much bitterness we get in. Um, it's noted here, this is, I don't know if there's much on the exam or the online exam that really covers, well, I'm going to guess probably what what affects the, how much bitterness is going to be on the exam probably, but maybe not the actual equations or anything like that um, for how much you get in. Um, but... Uh, there is this old unit called alpha acid units, which was basically a way of multiplying the, uh, the alpha acid content by 
how long you're boiling it for and how much you're throwing it in there and determining a ballpark estimate of how bitter it was going to be. Um, but we've gotten much, much better about that in terms of understanding the, um, the utilization rates and everything. And so the, the correct, or the more correcter unit in the actual true, true measurement of, a, of bitterness is going to be the international bittering unit, which is a measure basically the concentration of isomerized alpha acids present in the finished beer. So this is what's in the beer. It's not just a guess of what's it. And you have to measure it typically to get a true estimate or a true measurement, but there, we have ways of estimating it um, with different relationships. Um, so it's a function of the, the how much, or the alpha acids of the hops that are going in, once again, how much is going to be used in it, as well as some other factors. So we've got the, um, the length of the boil. So the longer we boil, the higher the utilization is, and it's kind of on a, a curve that goes up very, very quickly at the start and then kind of levels out around 30% uh, utilization. Um, uh, the specific gravity of the wort, it's harder to absorb uh, more iso-alpha acids or in a uh, bigger beer, basically. So the, the lighter a beer is, the more, the more efficiency you can get out of it. Uh, the bigger the boil, um, you, a good vigorous boil gets a little more utilization. Um, wort pH, um, we're getting down to some details. How old the hops are, the uh, alpha acids uh, degrade over time, becoming less effective. So and something that was measured at 5% uh, a year ago, not storing well, could be down to 3 depending on what kind of storing conditions you had it in. Um, the form, uh, the pellets are going to be a little more, or have a little better exposure, so a little more um, uh, basically... Higher Essentially because there are particles, yeah. you know, once they break up into the, into the wort, that whole particle is now exposed to the boil. Mm -hmm. And then how much you're actually putting in, there's a point at which it saturates, basically, and you've got uh, uh, too much, or just basically you can hit a plateau of uh, bitterness pickup. Um, so, for, for the questions, it's going to be bigger uh, boil, length of boil, uh, length of boil is going to be the probably the one of the biggest ones. Work gravity, um, pH, shape of the hops, and, and in terms of what form it's in as well, um, and then how much other hops you're putting in. Now the core, um, the, there's even some, now as you get to, so that's how much actually makes it into the beer. Now we're going to be talked about water before, if we have a different mineral content, it's going to affect our perception of the, the bitterness differently. Um, so the ones that have potentially a little more sulfite in there, you can get a little more of that hop expression um, than the, maybe ones that uh, don't have as much. Um, so once again, IBU, though it's technically accurate, still can be perceived in different levels depending on what's going on around it. It's that offsetting of sweetness um, that kind of balances it in. Um, so basically, the, the core way that uh, we end up calculating this is coming up with a utilization factor. Um, and then so you get maybe about <coughs> up to about 30% in the brewery, as a, but it varies as a function of time. So there's kind of a curve. So like at what? 15 minutes, maybe you're at 18 or 20% utilization. Or I'm just ballparking it up. Um, five minutes, maybe you're five percent. I think you're lower than that, right? Yeah, it's you know sort of it, it goes up to about sixty minutes, mm -hmm. and then you really don't gain anymore. That the, the acids are as you know the thirty percent utilization uh, is what you're going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so we talk about sixty minutes being more of a bittering addition because you're driving off the volatile uh, oils um, that give the flavor and aroma. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, I think the BJCP uses forty minutes and under is a flavor hop addition. 
Um, even though you know, at 40 minutes you're not going to get nearly as much flavor as you are, you know, five minutes, uh, one minute, zero minutes. Um, um, and so they have a basic equation here for IBUs, which is 7,489 times the weight of the, um, the, the hops times the alpha acid content times utilization. That utilization is that up to 30% that we're talking about, divided by the volume of the beer. And you kind of do that for each of the hops that you add in at each of the different times. Um, and then you sum those up to get your overall IBUs uh, estimate for the beer. Um, and then you've got the other effect of IBUs will drop over time. Um, they'll, they'll also drop as a function of maybe your yeast as well. The yeast will pick up some of them. Um, so over a year or so later, the IBUs may be nowhere near where they were, yeah. depending also on the storage. All right. Uh, so uh, the the letter the, the level of IBUs that, that you want a beer is going to vary by style. You know something that's more malt focused uh, is going to have a lower range of IBU acceptable in the style versus something like an IPA where you know the, basically whatever the maximum limit is of approximately 100 IBUs um, is what you can uh, stuff into it. Uh, like Mark said, it matters what the other flavors are, what the, the water is in terms of what the ultimate perception is. Um, so, you know, a beer can have uh, 35 IBUs and be really hoppy, uh, or it can have 35 IBUs and really be pretty malty, that, 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 that those hops are just balancing uh, some extra dextrins and, and sweetness. Um, so yeah, that's your B and G ratio. They, they discuss, you know, that uh, and that's something Randy Mosher, I think, talks a lot about in Radical Brewing, yeah. is, you know, the, what that ratio is of bittering units to gravity units, um, and how to come up with a successful beer based on that. Um, like I said, uh, bittering hops are uh, usually 60 to 90 minutes. Uh, 10 to 40 minutes are flavor hops uh, at the end of the boil. Uh, they contribute little, little and no bitterness, some flavor, and aromatic quality. Um, a lot of breweries are now adding most of their hops to the end of the beer because you are getting some bitterness out of it. So if you add a lot more hop, you're getting also a lot more intense flavor and, and aroma. Mm -hmm. um, uh, hops added uh, after or during fermentation are dry hops um, and basically add sort of a, a raw hoppy character. Um, can add some grassy notes uh, as well. Um, uh, Hop-derived compounds can be altered in the finished beer. Uh, oxidation reduces bitterness um, and may add a harsh edge to the flavor uh, as well as diminishing uh, aromas. You know, I mean, it's oxidation, that papery cardboard character. Um, and you've also got the skunking potential as well, where if light hits a um, isomerous alpha acid, it, depending on the well, frequency and if it actually makes it through, it can change kind of the, the shape again, and then if it kind of, or kind of kicks off that light struck note, that skunky note that we've talked about. Yeah, we've added in a couple of those. We've added in beers, and we've also we did it as an off flavor. I think the week you were gone. Yeah. Um, Sorry about that. No, this is great. Um, and that's the that's the, the light struck, you know. So beers that are in clear glass uh, or green glass are more susceptible because the uh, brown glass blocks more of the ultraviolet light. Uh, still, it still can be skunked in a brown bottle, um, and if they're using 
uh, an extracted version of the hop that's been modified, it can be in a clear bottle and not be skunked. Mm -hmm. um, so who knows what beer has that? I'm no, would that be? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Miller's, yeah. Miller, that's why it's in a clear yeah. bottle and it still doesn't quite get skunky. They've got that um, uh, specialized. You, you can address first word hopping because yes. I'm not sure that uh, there's any scientific validity to the. Yeah. Uh, they, well, they, they claim they, I, this is what, So, first word hopping is a, it's a, a rediscovered technique of adding hops right as you're kind of mashing out and you're not even up to like boiling temperatures yet. You're in the 170s, you're moving up to the 180s. Um, and what they've found is that they, or people in taste tests have said, this presents an interesting uh, flavor profile, despite the fact that the natural intuition would be that the oils would have been completely volatilized off during the course of the boil. Um, they seem somehow seem to, to hold in and have a nice kind of a, a better overall hop flavor. Um, there, I swear to God, there's probably one study that was done on this is, that is the basis for everyone saying that it's a, a solid practice. Um, but uh, anyhow, so it's a, it's a technique for possibly adding in some uh, flavor profiles. That being said, I've actually, I've tried a fresh hot or a first word hop beer next to another, and I definitely did get hoppiness or a nice kind of flavor profile out of the first word hopping one that the other one didn't have, and neither of them had late hopping. Um, it's something kind of weird. Uh, uh, weird kind of phenomenon. They've got theories about what's potentially maybe binding up while it's still heating up. Um, but just an interesting kind of uh, technique out there. Okay, and then we basically have the, the different varieties. Um, and so apart from being genetically different, uh, they you have also have some kind of where it's grown that presents a really, really interesting profile similar to, to wine grapes. So you have different strains out there that are specifically bred, and you don't take seeds from these things. You take cuttings, and you're using the exact same genetic propagated material um, to, to carry this forward. If you actually see people planting hop seeds, they have no idea what they're doing because it's a crossbred, random potential mismatch. So we've gotten a lot better in the past years about working genetic programs, and they'll start with a thousand or so different potential candidates out there and over the course of a decade, start paring it down to 100, and they're working on things like alpha acid production, good uh, or nice um, nice oil production. Is it mildew resistant? Is it does it have a nice vigor to balance itself? Does it need too much water? Does it need a lot or a little water? Um, and trying to figure out strains that are both commercially viable as well as brewing pleasant, I guess. Um, so they're getting to the point now, or at least we're getting almost two a year um, as compared to one every five years um, in terms of introducing new hops. Um, but there are basically, we've got a whole bunch of families based, and a lot of the styles grew up around the kind of hops that grew very well in their areas. Um, so you've got the British ones, and they're, they, they all, the, the kind of poster child for them is East Kent and Goldings. Um, and you've got Northern Brewing Fuggles, basically. And then you've got typically a little bit of an earthy profile. They Alpha acids ranging from four to target, maybe it would get up to twelve, and that would be their bittering choice for for some of the the British styles. Um, then you've got the continental styles. This is getting a little more towards in the, the noble ones, um, getting into your um, sots for uh, some of your Bohemian ones, and then your Germans for so you're going to use your Tet, um, Halogen, Bitterfro, and Spalt. Um, but 
floral, um, spicy. tea, yeah, spicy, um, just uh, interesting kind of little characters. These these tend to have like nice low elf acids, and I've, I've seen some of these with two, um, two to four, maybe to five percent. Um, then you get to the American styles, uh, which are going to be more of your American uh, pale ales and IPAs. Um, so you, we, we pick up a lot more citrus, resin, um, pine, and now we're getting into more of these specialty fruits um, than, um, that are out there as well. Uh, and there's, in my mind, there's a little... The Australian ones are kind of having an interesting... Uh, similar characters in terms of pushing special fruits out there. And, um, but uh, tend to be very, very citrusy for Americans, um, and so maybe you'll sell that with the Cascade, just a little bit of the... Um, grapefruit in there. Um, and then depending on where you grow the hops, it's going to have an effect on the overall flavor. So if you take a noble hop and grow it in the United States, it's a different growing profile, so it's going to produce different kind of chemicals. Same base, but still a little different from there. So understanding where you get the hops from, and that's why when you ever go take the other tape, uh, the written test, you'll want to say, I want to use German um, hops or German Spalt for for this kind of recipe, um, as compared to just salt or something like that. Okay. So any questions on hops? Okay. With that, we'll move into today's faults and discussions. Um, so I think the first well, what do you have first? Uh, bitter. Okay. Um, so obviously bitterness is going to largely come uh, from the <coughs> excessive hopping or under hopping in case it might be too low. Um, so it's going to be, bitterness will always technically be, be perceived on the tongue. Um, if bitterness is associated or um, <coughs> if a hop or a beer is particularly bitter and it also has some astringency that may have come from hop as well, you're going to pick up the astringency on the side of your mouth, but in terms of just straight bitterness, that's just going to be perceived on your tongue. It's typically perceived the strongest and towards the back of your tongue, which is part of the reason why we drink beer instead of spitting it out um, so that we get uh, coating uh, on the back of our tongue. Um, the other potential sources of some bitterness, uh, some roasted malts do um, contribute uh, a mild amount of uh, sorry, bitterness as well. Calibration. Um, Mm-hmm. 
little coarser. So controlling it would be going and doing everything that it said basically within our utilization equation, either using less hops, um, not boiling as long. Ice alone. Okay, so probably somewhere else. Um, not boiling as much, um, using lower alpha hops, um, and yeah, and possibly in case of having a little excessive roasted character, dropping down and roasting as well. Or messing with your water a bit, dropping down the uh, magnesium or sulfide ions to, to reduce the perception of bitterness in there. Yeah, I mean, the difference from the control for me is that the control is a lot sweeter. Yeah. You know, the, the get a lot more malt, get more relative um, in the beer behind that. That's much better than Coors Light. <laughs> Coors Light Extra. We used four hops. Yeah, I could actually drink that. Um, any other bitterness? No, I mean, it's mostly what we talked about, the hops. Okay. Anybody not getting the, the, the difference, or is it coming across differently? I'm assuming the can is the control? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. <clears throat> okay. Pretty close to just the stringency. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely does, it has a mouthfeel component to it. Um, and, you know, that's sort of when, when Mark says coarser, mm-hmm. that's sort of what I think of as the, the coarseness of it. Yeah. Um, just more aggressive, more... Extracted flavor. Yeah. So, and I'm sure tonight we're going to taste some nice bitter beer. No. All all session ideas. Yes. All right. Um. So we don't have uh, a tape for um, the Esther Inferti, but basically, I'm hoping we should get something nice and flavorful with the. Did you get a sparkling ale? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Um, so we should be getting some, at least today, with uh, some of the British beers. We um, should get some nice kind of ester profiles. So esters are going to be something that remind us of some bright fruits. So they list out bananas, strawberries, pears, apples, plums, papaya, um, and other things as well. Um, cherries, every pop in there. Um, it's basically a combination of an, an alcohol and an organic acid, and that's going to drive what the specific flavor ends up being. On your flavor wheel, they have a whole bunch of different ones that you could um, potentially see. Um, so it's a byproduct of uh, fermentation, So the and some of the actually early fermentation and pre-fermentation. Um, so depending on the strain, it's going to kick out different uh, profiles under different stress conditions as well. Um, so if it's a, high, a hot fermentation, it may kick out more. If it's stressed out in terms of being in too high of a spe- specific gravity, alcohol kind of environment may produce a little more. Um, basically, it's, it's not just a, I normally produce this, but I can also produce this when I'm less happy as well. So if I'm unhealthy um, or, um, or basically just stressed out, 
Um, there's some other special styles, uh, like uh, some of the Belgian uh, varied wheats that'll kick off uh, some of the like banana notes that we talked about some, uh, mm-hmm. as well. So basically, it's a fermentation kind of control it, and yeast selection typically issue. Um, but generally, keeping generally the fruitiness is not a flaw. Mm-hmm. It is just a product of the yeast. Mm-hmm. It can be a flaw in, in, in some in styles, or you know, yeah. or if it's overly fruity. Yeah. A fruity lager tends not to be appropriate right. because the lager yeast should not be producing those. But um, uh, and a lot of the ales, or British ales in particular, should be a bit on the fruity side. Okay. Um, so what do we have next? This is geraniol. So this is sort of a geranium floral. I actually don't get it quite as yeah, much. I get it more rose hip, not really rose hip. Um, just like actually <laughs> the rose matter or the like the leaves around the roses compared to anything else. It looks like it's a woodiness. Yeah. What? Do, how else would you guys describe that? Smell the it tastes like the smell of flowers. Yeah. That's kind of how I'm Oh, that's definitely a lot more flavor, too. Um, yeah, like eating... Grandma's uh, perfume. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> is that... So is this a type of ester? Or is uh, this is... Uh, this actually comes generally from hops, according oh, okay. to uh, Siebel. Um, but yeah, going through the list, I thought, well, this is at least in that family, maybe. Yeah, does, does it look like journal or geraniol? Geraniol, G-E-R-A-N-I-O-L. Did I miss something? I mean, what would cause that flavor? Um, Comp addition and variety. But I mean, how would you butcher a beer to get ice? I'm trying to think of it. Well, oh, you get. I think. Well, yeah. You accidentally grabbed violets instead of hops um, <laughs> and threw those in for bittering. How would you butcher a beer that bad? Yeah, this this actually I think tends to also be an issue with some people, with some wines they can pick up this compound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm this I've hardly ever seen this particular. You'll get, you'll get you'll get floral, but a different floral. Mm-hmm. It's much more like a fake uh, floral soap. You know, lavender soap, sort of, uh, um, and that tends to be like higher alcohols for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we should have gone with ice wine last night. Say, lovey. Actually, yeah, I probably should have. Hmm. Um, <clears throat> do we cover that one later? I wasn't sure I didn't look ahead, but we can go crack it now. If um, yeah, if we, let me double check real quick. Actually, I can't crack it right now. I have to go back to the uh, fridge, but if you're desperate for it, I can do that. Um, we can take a second a bit. Yeah. Well, why don't you talk about grassy? Okay. Do we have... Is there... There grassy? is no grassy. Okay. Um, so we'll move along to grassy, and I'll talk slowly for Peter. Um, so... And I'm gonna, we will probably pick up grassy on at least one or two of the beers tonight, I'm going to guess. Um, it's going to be anything that reminds you of kind of a fresh cut in particular grass, um, just kind of vegetal-ish matter uh, kind of profile. 
Um, we're typically going to get this from a, a hop edition, a kind of potentially an excess hop edition, and or a little bit of dry hopping of, if you do it improperly can add in a bit of a grassy note. Um, how long do you tend to dry hop for? Um, depending on the beer, uh, four to six days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's when you push into the week and a little bit later, or you do too much, potentially all late or very, very short. You can just kind of pick up some of the, the actual just real plant compounds and it'll, it'll get into the profile. Um, so you, you'll see these more often than not in a late hopped um, kind of thing. So British kind of pub ale or cask ales, they throw a little bit in. You're in American hop varieties, are basically you throw a lot of late hops in. Um, so those are the two that you might tend to see a little bit, and it may not be uh, a huge fault. So if it's just a hint of grassiness on an American IPA, I think when we go through the category today, I'll probably say there might be a little grassiness. Um, that's okay. But going into an excess or a place where you're, you're really, really just thinking this is just grassy and vegetal at this point, um, that's into the bad area. So the ways to control it are dialing back uh, late hop additions in particular or overall hop additions. If you're using a pound of 2% or 1% alpha um, hops in a beer just to get that bitterness through, you're probably adding too much vegetal matter to the beer and you're going to end up with a, a bit of a grassy. Um, so, but it tends in particular to be the late um, hops. You know what a great idea? I looked up the number, which uh, what it was before I went back there. Did you bring it back? Yeah. Okay. Um, do we have a paper cardboard? Yes. Okay. Are you working on that? Nope. This okay. is, uh, I swear, I'm last Okay. So this should be the banana? Yes. Yeah, yeah that's good. is going to be the specific um, profile that we're looking for a lot of the time in the, the Belgian meat beers. We had this, hopefully, we had in one or two of the we last had a lot. week. Yeah. 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 Die good, good, die good, good. You did good. So a lot of yeast will produce this in very small amounts. Um, you know, if you're getting it in a, an English ale, generally it means your yeast is mistreated um, and is unhappy. Which flavor is this? The ice on banana. Banana. So you can get that little banana chip, um, banana bready kind of character in there. Which, once again, in the halves? Pretty Very nice. appropriate. Actually, I don't mind it in this. It's not a flavor I love. Yeah. A little of the Laffy Taffy. Yeah, you have the candy banana. Yeah. yeah. Where it was like a underripe banana. Mm -hmm. so. Is anybody banana blind? <laughs> you? <laughs> You're a lucky man. <laughs> You can have all of my uh, 
banana love then. Wow, that sounds really. We're gonna edit the. We'll uh, we'll talk about this later. We'll pull that out in a clip. Here outside of the just this area, is it? Do you pick up everyone else enough on yeah. the recording? I haven't listened to it too much. Okay, cool. You could pay me to listen to it. So. <laughs> it's really hard for us to go yeah. back and listen. Okay, so yeah, and that is that is the the chemical isoamyl acetate is what's produced by the yeast. It's also what produces banana flavor. Mm-hmm. It's what they use for banana flavoring. Banana. Yeah. Um, again, our last one is paper cardboard. Um, so basically, and I don't know why we threw this in today in particular. Uh, well, maybe because we're just it's I'm close to the grassy. Hmm? I'm using it oxidized easily. Ah, yeah, there's, 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 a, there's a good way. Um, so. Uh, you make a beer on uh, day whatever. Um, it's it's nice. It's fresh. You got it uh, bottled, packaged, um, and basically all that's going to happen after this is you're going to have mild or sometimes intense oxygen ingress, uh, depending on what kind of conditions the beer is being held in. Um, and some of this can actually start midway through the brewing process of getting the, the oxidation character in there. Um, so basically, anything after we've started. Um, the initial major, the high crowds and kind of phase, and oxygen ingress at that point is going to potentially cause, well, it's going to cause oxidation, and it can lead to a bunch of different um, faults. I mean, you can get into some of the acetaldehyde or anywhere where oxygen can be picked up and start having a negative effect. Um, this is going to be really, really getting into the, the aged profile where you're picking up um, some malt compounds uh, tend to be uh, oxidized and it gives the, the, the papery and cardboard now. Um, this can from, uh, range anywhere from a nice dry paper to a wet cardboard. Um, I don't know, egg cartony or... Yeah. Dust, dusty cardboard. Dusty, yeah. Um, this is definitely when you want to have the calibration beer next to um, but I mean so once if it's in a bottle if it's been sitting around too long or improperly bottled and they left got too much oxygen in headspace it can pick up faster um, uh, they talk about splashing the wort in particular after um, or the beer after you're racking it or and packaging it around um, Potentially leads to problems and pick up. So when you pick this up, you'll tend to say things like, "Watch, watch, taking care of your beer as you go through. Avoid oxidative steps while transferring. Um, purge head spaces with uh, CO2 to to avoid that." Um, yeah, they need it over here. And this will, it'll just tend to kill a beer, basically, and just make it dead. Um, so, do you guys pick it up on this? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Takes, takes Bud Light to a worse place for Cruise Light. Mm-hmm. 
So to me, that's really raw, wet paper. Um, could be worse. Spitting, <laughs> like spit wide kind of um, uh, little straw. Like you keep the straw. Um, See, I think it was like cardboard sitting around in a warehouse, dusty, it's hot and dry, and kind of kills your perception of malt behind it. Yeah, it just sort of lays flat. Mm-hmm. And, it just and then hangs around a lot in the aftertaste in particular. Um, so, oxidation, avoid <laughs> oxygen. Post-fermentation oxygen pickup. Yeah. Um, and then the, the last little topic <clears throat> that we'll talk about is hop profiles. Um, and so we're going to cover at least two major families of uh, hops and one maybe little kind of bastard family um, and whether or not they're appropriate for the style of beer being uh, produced so a citrusy um, American IPA hop is not going to be uh, appropriate in a lager and vice versa so as Define you go through huh? Define appropriate Yes, <laughs> marketable maybe it is though um, well, I would say it's not appropriate for style. Stylistically. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Best beers we've ever done was Mosaic Hops and Pilsen. Yes. Don't you? That's not legal. That's not legal. Ryan Heitz, come on in. So, just working in appropriate, or, so once again, for, for the styles, working in appropriate selection. And then, as a, if you are going to do something like a, a Mosaic Lager entered into a specialty category um, in terms of saying, hey, this is a, not a normal American lager or whatever, British lager, or, sorry, German lager. This is a German lager using American yeast, or sorry, American hops, and kind of work from there. Okay, so with that, um, we'll move over to our tasting. We're going to start with category 11. We don't have an 11A. We don't have a. Did you take the guy? Oh, you got the guy. Yes, I've got okay. the guy. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so the the um, the British Bender family. This is going to be a basically a set of three beers uh, that are all defined by in- increasing strength. So you have the category 11A, which is an ordinary bitter. Um, 11B, Best Bitter, and 11C, uh, which is a Strong Bitter. So, um, basically working your way through, you should see a little more hop character and a little more malt character all the way through. Consistent yeast profile, so uh, that's that's not going to vary very much. But basically just moving up in accordance with their taxation laws in strength. Uh, moving from uh, the ordinary bitters, which are going to be down in the three percentish, um, moving up to a four percentish kind of best bitter, and then uh, strong bitter, a little more of the classic English pale ale, um, an extra special bitter, um, moving into the five to six percent alcohol. I think is what they're going to be around. Yeah, yeah, upper fours to low sixes. Um, so ordinary bitters we don't have here today, but that's basically going to be almost well. Definitely a session beer. Um, uh, Going to have a nice little, just a yeah, little bit of a nice pale base to it, and then a little extra kind of uh, crystal malt in there to add a little caramel, um, moderate to firm bitterness, a um, little bit of a hop character, um, it kind of is optional. Um, these, this whole family typically is going to be served um, 
low uh, carbonation out of a cask. Um, however, because we don't really have casks available everywhere, um, you're going to see the, the bottle versions are going to be um, a little little higher carbonation overall, um, but still kind of carrying most of the, the malt profile. Um, so with that, we'll start with... This is a Blood and Bee, right? Yes. Okay. With uh, Fuller's London Pride. So nowhere near you. Best. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, just moving to the best. thing that people get. Yep. <laughs> okay. So a little bit diacetyl coming up. Now, um, this, that's technically going to be mildly oh. acceptable. Um, to me, this is a little higher. What are you? Yeah, it wasn't like a, uh, the initial, I got sort of like a a little bit of apple and then uh, some tea. Mm -hmm. So it was almost uh, like cinnamon apple tea without the cinnamon. An apple tea. An apple tea. Okay. But I thought that sounded dumb, so I went with the option B. Do you not get the vegetable? Not up front. Okay. And I, I certainly get it, but it's, I don't think it's all that high for me. It's dissipating, but I still... Yeah. Um, restrained, earthy-ish hops, but uh, maybe a little floral, too, but... Very, it's kind of diminished behind the caramel and the apple tea. Light toast with a hint of jam. The apples and pear. Yeah. Little cherry. Alright, we'll see you guys later. I'm not fancy biscuit, but. Just a little toast. There's a caramel to it. Mm -hmm. But like a nice package caramel to me. Yeah. Yeah. Bright amber. Um, orangey. Um, yeah, it looks pretty nice. Yeah. Well, it's got work ready. Yeah. Um, nice little off-white head that fell relatively quickly. For this style and this alcohol content, you kind of expect that to go with the carbonation. You kind of expect the head to fall a little bit quickly. Wouldn't I wouldn't ding it for that. Mm 
hot flavor comes through a lot more to me than it did in the aroma. Um, get earthy, herbal, tea. Working with the tea, I guess, component again. Yeah. Even, even that hint of orange, too, still. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, still lots of uh, apple. Mm -hmm. Is anyone else getting any other fruits? Kind of firm bitterness, into the stringency. Yep. Um, I like the bitterness, kind of what was like a mineral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I guess when you kind of think back to the style, uh, it's coming from Burton. It's going to have that little bit of that mineral wallop to it. Carbonate, and I can't remember for sure. It had lots of that, also it had a, a bunch of sulfate. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. a pretty firm bitterness. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's low it's firm. alcohol. Mm -hmm. Here we have 25 to 40. I would put this probably more toward the 40. Yeah. yeah. Of course, the perception is going to be swayed by the, the, the probably the sulfate. Right. And, yeah. uh, and just the uh, the lack of body. Mm -hmm. You know, if we tossed in a little bit of sugar, it would immediately uh, you know, seem to drop down 10 or 15 IBU. Right. Now, if you think about it, can you actually get a little sulfur note in it? And just get a little something in the finish, but it's kind of one of those I have to think about it. Yeah, no, it's, I, it's not like a burger match, but almost like you're just sucking on a match on the lid. <laughs> Which is other things I do when I'm bored. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just bready into toast, a little crust, a little bit of that caramel kind of slathered on. But then a little fruity notes that, that pop through. I, to me, this just balances slightly better or a little over the time. Actually, no, it balances better for me. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Leaves you a lingering... But it also doesn't have much staling, which, you know, makes it it's a much fresher version of, you know, because a lot of times you get these, these slow alcohol British beers and mm -hmm. there'll be a distinctive paper mm -hmm. uh, right. note over all of them. Lingering apple notes for me, almost like an apple uh, crab, <coughs> apple chip. Moderately light body, moderately light carbonation. I wouldn't go quite low um, like it should be. <clears throat> and so yeah, they they took a very distinct way of saying within here, you know, it's low. And the low applies to the kind of the caskish ver served versions, and then they threw in the. But if you've got a bottle example, it's going to be a little, little higher carbonated. <coughs> um, uh, no greenness. Everything just kind of sticks around for a while too. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> So for malt, you should be using a, just a nice pale, um, pale base, um, just, and then putting a little bit of crystal malt to add some of that color to get that nice little copperish hue to it. Um, 
using something like East Kent Goldings for hops, um, one of the kind of the, the, the classic uh, British hops, um, and then uh, the, that British yeast to get a little bit of that ester profile, to get that apple, to get that pear in there, and it may kick in that diacetyl. And this thing, I, I didn't really pick up the diacetyl too much in the flavor. I, did you? No, okay, but yeah, just that initial whiff really just like, uh-huh, kind of hit me. Um, but yeah. Next, we've got ESB, or sorry, strong bitter. Um, so maybe pushing, this is 5%. Uh, yes, 5.1. Okay. more muted uh, aroma. Mm -hmm. um, again, brilliantly clear. And this one's uh, light copper. Yeah. And once again, fell relatively quickly, fine bubbles. <clears throat> a little more bread. Almost like a slightly soury dough. Golden Delicious right up front. Um, banana's still in there. A little non-toasted crust. And white. What else are you guys getting? Mm -hmm. Somebody kind of 
No, it's not. Uh, compared to the best bitter that we just had, it's decidedly less bitter. A um, uh, little su- definitely sweeter um, than the previous example as well, and that somewhat maybe offsetting, but I probably would be expecting a little more bitterness period on this. Um, it's still got that earthy note from the hops on it. Um, and to me, the esters are stronger than Yeah, you kind of get that herbal tea note. It's still just a little bit the the hops as well. Let's finish with a real sort of a spicy, almost German pilsnery type uh, note that lingers. The hops are yeah, yeah. That's what I would chalk it up to. But I don't know. Might be some sort of a, a peppery phenol that. Moderate body, um, say moderate dish, moderate light carbonation. I need a hint of warmth, but not really too much. Stated for where I would have wanted a ESB-ish beer to be. Um, no, they pulled that off because evidently that's the trademark. Um, uh, is that what the uh, <laughs> in England today ESB is the Fuller's trademark. Um, so um, should be working with the same kind of pale base, a little more, uh, just a little crystal in there to add that color, um, and then kind of working. The, the hops after that, but um, kind of like the hop expression of the, the best bitter a little better. Yeah. Um, this kind of got in a muddy place with the banana and the fruit. But once again, for these three styles, and this may be the or one of those questions that pops up, just dif- differentiating an alcohol strength basically, and then the corresponding bitterness to, to carry that uh, malt through as you step it up a little. So, I mean, once again, moving from 25 to 35 IBUs to 25 to 40 IBUs up to 25 to 50 or 30 to 50 IBUs. So it's similar to the Scottish, mm-hmm. the three Scottish styles that uh, we talked about. And this goes back to that BUGU kind of balance of trying to keep uh, uh, an appropriate ratio going forward. So we don't have a 12A or a 12C. Okay. So new categories, um, so the 12s, um, or the, the Pale Commonwealth beers. So these are, 
be a little more, uh, I basically say they, they pale, strong, moderately hop, or moderately to forward, hop forward kind of beers uh, from the British Empire. So you've got some British examples and then moving up to an English IPA. So we, we don't have a 12A? Or we, B? We do have a 12B. Okay. We don't have a 12A or a 12C. Yeah, so 12A, um, <coughs> British Golden Ale. Um, so basically think a less malty version of a bitter, uh, but still with a, a fair kind of firm bittering to it. Um, so you'll see a little more of that hop character in terms of the aroma, possibly maybe almost closer to the, the best bitter that we had earlier. Mm. Um, um, but a very, very light, crisp body um, to kind of carry through. Uh, these should be, I'm pretty sure, very, very dry. Um, so it pushes that bitterness perception. Uh, for it a little more. I think the Brewers Association calls these the, the British summer ales. Summer ales. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay, a little, little hard to find, kind of a new style that they've started picking up. Um, will likely not be on the exam. <laughs> um, so, Australian sparkling ale. Um, yes. So, going to be using, basically thinking of a, uh, a bright or a British golden ale brewed in uh, Australia using some of their kind of their classic hops. Uh, so Pride of Ringwood, um, one of the other ones that are out there. Um, so Pride of Ringwood is kind of the classic one. Um, but then also with an interesting kind of uh, uh, Instead of esters as well, it's, it's supposed to be kind of reminiscent of the style. So a bit restrained, but then it's just this soft balance between. Um, just kind of a light pear and apple, and then just a kind of a almost non, non fully malted grainy profile, red whitey. We'll see. I think there's uh, for me it's honey, mm -hmm. maybe uh, mm -hmm. like a Midori melon. Things <clears throat> honey in Midori melon. Is it Midori the the melon liqueur? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Um, so it's not quite, it's not like a honeydew or a, uh, To it, yeah. Go. Yeah. Go. Mm 
will go with your melon rind for sure. Um, almost a little marshmallow fluff for me. Um, it almost finishes like chewing melon, right? A little herbaceous. Mm, really thin. Mm -hmm. Flashes of sweetness as it goes through the sip. Mm -hmm. Australians don't have very good brewing equipment. <laughs> 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 um. <coughs> yeah, the, the sweetness doesn't go quite to a caramel, it's still just that uh, almost an artificially kind of notes to it. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the melon, like the fruitiness is like their hops. It's weird. Um, there is that little hint of banana. Um, so I think I'm, I mean, in that finish to me, that is really stringent for mm -hmm. that style. Yeah. I mean, it, Starts off really nice, and I like that beer. And then it's just like, ugh. yeah, it's um, it's chunky. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just stays with clumsy or something. It's a little yeah. salty. Mm -hmm. yeah, there's mineral. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if they meant that or if it was just an error. <coughs> I had that. I assume so. Yeah, <coughs> I wouldn't have bought it otherwise. Okay. Maybe they just had a somebody forgot to adjust the pH. They started to use them. No. Well, that's great. But, well, I guess kind of light, spritzy ish. Yeah, very dry. I mean, you can imagine that it's going to be. Yeah, hot. I mean, what are these? Finish it. Yeah, these are sub 10 finishers um, for the final gravity. Um, I definitely agree that it finishes under 10. Um, <coughs> Picked up the higher, like, rose hood or metallic. That's actually, according to the <coughs> yeah. guidelines, appropriate. It has yeah. mineral, so it's it's in style. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 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 Good for them. No, I know, yeah. No, no, I was thinking, I mean, you kind of like, yep, I guess you do have that. Um, I think it's the combination of the, the high carbonation, the high carbonic acid, the thinness yeah. of the body, the the bitterness and then the minerality ends up it just comes together as that that coarse rough you know you feel like you've been pummeled a little bit rather than oh I just had a sip of beer I'm refreshed I'm mm -hmm. it says should not be bland <laughs> said, is that, doesn't yeah it, it does <laughs> 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 fair enough um, 
it also may say it should not be tasty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, but I they so I mean ingredients they've got the their own domestic two row uh, some color just just hints of a yep. crystal. Uh, then they talk about using adjuncts potentially to thin it out, um, and then basically trying to use those. Uh, those kind of classic hops, and everyone's, I'm pretty sure Ringwood's kind of their classic example. Yeah, but I, I did not realize up until this point that it really was described as irony, but um, yeah, I, with no sense of irony either. Yeah, oh, he's not oh. all <laughs> It makes the uh, Coors Light seem rounded and full, <laughs> which is uh, which I really appreciate. Mm. It does say more bitter. Oh my god, it really does. <laughs> Under the style comparison, it does say more bitter than IBUs might suggest due to high attenuation, low final gravity, and somewhat coarse hops. Mm -hmm. So, does it go on to say that most Australians are very angry people? They <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Their styles tend to have. A I don't know if I mean, astringency and coarse hops would be. Yeah, that seems to it seems to fit the guidelines. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, in they only had really two examples to define the guidelines, I guess. On they were both Coopers, right? Yeah. See, this seemed like it should have been a nice boondoggle to go down and find some other sounds, too. Okay. Uh, we do have a 12 seat, right? No. I can say it again. Wow. Okay. So, as we move into the rest of the IPAs, uh, English IPA. How do you ever know examples of an English IPA? Uh, you know, the ones that I thought would be around aren't. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah. That's actually kind of a slim list. Yeah. So, English IPA. Um, we're going to move into the American IPAs, but this is where we're going to think those uh, classic uh, British hops and maybe a little bit more uh, malt character than we would for our American IPA, so a little more crystal um, kind of support to it, get a little more caramel in there. Um, have a firm to moderately firm... Um, um, kind of earthy-ish hop profile to, to come through, and then um, and then also character the kind of characteristic prettiness as well from the these. So very 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 nice flavorful beers when you can find them. Um, but got the history of this is where they believe that they brewed the extra special bitters to, to be a bit stronger so you can survive the, the longer rest of the table. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, the longer ride overseas. Um, and, uh, so boosted up the hopping for the antimicrobial effects to survive and um, ended up with a really nice kind of flavor of beer, um, extending the English pale ale range a little further. So instead... Now we're going to move up to category 21, a.k.a. subcategory house. And all their cousins. Yes. So we're going to start with the, the kind of the base idea. So IPA, the new 21, is based, based on a modern IPA, or American IPA. Um, so it's going to start with a, this is the base kind of, place to work from, and then work some deviations thereof with uh, the different ranges that we're going to talk about. <coughs> and by deviations, you mean color? Just color. Yeah. Really just color. Um, so we're going to be changing hot profiles over to something citrusy, piney, resinous, 
Um, and then possibly backing off on some of the specialty malts compared to an, uh, an English IPA and then boosting up the alcohol for customer America. Alright. What do people get from the hops? Spicy. Spicy? Definitely resiny. Resiny. Pine yeah. resiny. Mm-hmm. Grapefruit. There's a little herbaceous note. I mean, grass. Just kind of milk. Little, little oniony. Onion, garlic. <coughs> There's, uh, I don't know if this is just the previous beer, a floral, um, rose-ish. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe not rose. Um, spring. Spring, yeah. As you say, violet and lavender-ish. Mm. Maybe lavender, yeah. <coughs> Wait, is this lavender? <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, if that was it, I feel like an idiot. But <laughs> I was going to say cleaner, but lavender would probably be better. Yeah. But yeah, the garlic sticks around the onion. The malt profile just in the aroma behind it is just... Barely enough, kind of just grain and grain. Yeah, sweet. Yeah. Indistinct sweetness. Yeah, I like that. It's pounding in the face. <laughs> Lightly hazy, bright amber. Light, well, pretty bad. Fine bubbles. Oh, relatively quickly, a little, yeah. Firm onion and garlic. Um, like the outside of it, everything bagel. Work and then bagel. Mm. <coughs> yeah, there's still throwing pine bow and there's, yeah. If Low bitterness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Re- resin- resinous is good. The resinous is kind of what sticks you for a long time afterwards. Um, for bitterness, there's enough just sweetness to play in there, but just yeah. it's a just cur- dry breadish. Um, Touch of honey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just very that very light crystal. Alcohol warmth, um, and you can breathe it a little too. How? Uh, what's the ABV on that? Mm-hmm. Six nine. Six nine. Six nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pushing. Yeah, for about this. Yeah. Okay, so what does this go up to? Yeah, it's oh, it's seven and a half. They can add another half. Oh sure. sure. <coughs> um, it's a lot more bitter than what I would find this describe as a contemporary American IPA. Like that that's winning competitions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I mean 
In terms of the vault bill, this is similar to what's winning right. these days. Um, AKA nothing. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. I mean, you know, very light, uh, light in color. Um, it's yeah, it's more aggressively hoppy than it right. is, or ho- more yeah, aggressively it, it, bitter it than aggressively flavored. Yeah. It is stone, so yeah. Yes. yeah. <laughs> so, like that. Um, that long lingering bitterness into the finish. Yeah. Melon rind and garlic again. Yeah. Definitely balances. Let's feel. It's actually medium light. Mm-hmm. Well attenuated. Very well attenuated. Moderately firm carbonation. Mild astringency. There's that light, just a hint of a vegetal note to it. Did I still say that uh, that the astringency is okay from dry hopping? They say no harsh, harsh. No. Um, I'd still play that there's a small amount that can get in there. <coughs> but, yeah, no firm. Overall point of the style, have a nice basic malt profile to push whatever the palette of hops that you want to put forward on. New world hops. New world hops. Um, hopefully a little diverse, have a little bit of span in there. Um, and once again, just maybe just a hint of specialty malt, just to add a little depth. But in general, like like he was saying, the the ones that are expressing very well are very 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 basic in terms of their ninety five percent or or higher. Yeah, um, just pale malt. Definitely want to have an American kind of hop in here, nice blend, um, and. Yeah, just a basic light ester producing um, yeast uh, to push it through and basically create as much alcohol as you can. Yeah. Where do you want <coughs> yours to go? Do you want to? Mine is a regular IPA. Do you want to do it after the stone or do it uh, after you've done some of the. Uh... Mine is very different than stones. Okay, that'd be a good. Uh... <coughs> so, why don't you tell us a little about the, the beer? Uh, so, it's basic IPA. Mostly pale ale. Uh, I change it up a little bit every time just to make something a little The hops usually stay the same, but this time I had just a little bit of an English crystal. Um, but otherwise, the hop fill is. This is going to end the poorly for you. Here, why don't you pour your own? Put it in a pitcher. Oh, yeah, Yeah, that's. I use hop extract at the beginning, just a little bit to. Do the, about half the bitterness, and then the rest is uh, ten minutes, five minutes, and zero of Galaxy Centennial and uh, Caliente, which is a different hop. I know I got it from uh, Yakima Valley Hops. If anyone's ever heard of that place, um, and then dry hop with about two ounces of that mixture too. Miss you hunger? Is there something you got in the pilot batch of the brewery? Oh, I didn't know that. Brewer. <laughs> In the professionals. Compared to home prices, generally, like stores, they're a lot cheaper. That's true.
if we run low in the pitcher. There's a little bubble gummy note mixed with the tropical fruit. There's a slight grassy note to it, which, once again, I'd totally let go. But once again, keeping in the mind of the things we're supposed to spell today. Is the ABV and IBUs? Um, I couldn't tell you. I, I looked at the recipe I did before I came, but it's usually in the high sixes. That was IBUs, right? <laughs> yep. That's usually around 30% alcohol. I put all my hops in at zero minutes, so uh, yeah. Do you still do a 60 minute boil? Yeah. Is menthol one? Eucalyptus? Eucalyptus. Eucalyptus. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting. It's a neat honeydew. Well, it's a honeydew. Mm -hmm. It's more honeydew than cattle, okay. I think. I don't even know. Feels a little bit on the thin side. 
Maybe. 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 Um, I just feel like it's not quite supporting all the, the hop character that's in there. The dry hops don't get grassy. Mm -hmm. It's not really astringent. Um, you know, it's a nice expression of these tropical. Yeah, I do feel like there is sort of a eucalyptus note towards the end, and maybe that's the caliente. I, I couldn't tell you for sure on that. It's interesting. That's I'm it's not this. It's not bad eucalyptus, uh, like <laughs> cough drop eucalyptus. <laughs> okay. But it hasn't been naughty. I mean, but that's the, the, the character. Um, I'm trying to think of a good way to play that. What would you pair that with? Palm fronds. Okay. Heart of palm. I don't know. What do you think, Mr. Ops? Um, it's very tasty. I would agree that the, it's a little thin for the hops, which is a challenge. I mean, and it's one of my biggest challenges. <coughs> you want to dry it out. You want to dry it out, but then you want to, yeah. Right. It is very, very tough. What you said, what was, you said it's mostly pale? Yeah, and some Munich and then the English crystal. What, like 20? Uh, what do you mean, 20? Love of the crystal. crystal. Oh, uh, no, it's English 55, oh. I think. Wow. Do you know offhand, like, just half a pound? Half a pound? Is that the Okay. It's gotten a lot worse as it's warmed up. <laughs> showcases how broad New World hops can be now. This is like a nice summer IPA for me. Yeah. Is that what you say when it doesn't attenuate? Mm -hmm. attenuates too far? No, it's crisp. It's light, refreshing. Oh, it is. Mm -hmm. um, what was curious. the final gravity? I think 10.08 probably. Yeah. Because I make, I make basically the same base malt every time, just sometimes I'll, like this time I just change the crystal, same amount, just a different type, and it usually ends about 10 away, I think. So. It came out of Growler when I opened it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so what's our first flavor of specialty IPA? Okay, um, thank you. Eucalyptus before, and that was interesting. I've gotten it, uh, what's the, 
the wood, the dogfish head. Yeah. Okay. The Palo Santo. The Palo Santo. Yeah, the Palo Santo. But it's never been a good eucalyptus. Mm-hmm. It's been yeah. heavy. <laughs> like, and this isn't actually wood induced. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Oh, that's, 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 that's interesting. I still don't so I think it's also a strong wine. Yeah. Well, so I mean, there's specialty IPA, but that's I mean, just Belgian IPA, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I guess this is the one that's not just color based. Um, so we're going to be basically doing an IPA and kicking in some sort of a Belgian yeast. So we've got another stone, stone Cala Belgian. Okay. Unintentionally. But it's one of those. So hopefully a nice marriage of the um, kind of American hot profiles with an interesting phenolic um, or balance of uh, Belgian spice and phenols. So what are people getting in the aroma? Taking a turn towards smoky. Yep. Plastic smoky. Mm hmm. Some manufactured petroleum based mm-hmm. product that. Although Samson suitcases, they look like you don't smell like burning suitcases. <laughs> burning suitcase. Ooh, <laughs> I like that. I might take that. Yeah. Deep gold. Dark straw. 
had to stick around for a little while longer. Chip, like plastics in there a little bit. Nightly um, toasted bread. Really, the hop. Yep. <coughs> yeah. Kind of a mustiness and herbalness that kind of hangs heavy. Breathe that for a while. lingers with you as well, of course, but herbaceous, stocky. Of course, it's very peppery. Mm -hmm. What kind of pepper? Black pepper. Okay. <coughs> I don't really get a seamless <coughs> marriage between the Belgian yeast and IPA character. That means I don't think I ever have. <laughs> I'm one of these. <laughs> Feels like they've gotten together on, you know, like dating naked and uh, it's just not going to work out. I had had one time in my life where it's like, yeah, that's the girl. And it was right out of the walk in at Diamond Knot at midnight, one of the best quantities been consumed, so mm -hmm. I don't know whether it was good or not, but otherwise the style is just kind of weird. Back, I mean, it wasn't only available here for a short while, but Raging Bitch from uh, Flying Dog, mm -hmm. I recall that being very tasty. That was good. But, you know, but that was now, it's two years gone in my memory, and you know. Um, I don't know. Just like the Eartha one, the Belgian one. Pop it. Kind of a bit more full mouthfeel than the previous IPAs did. Um, sticks with you a little longer. Reminds me <coughs> what you just did. Yeah. Um, I think it's great that they put that up front to remind you that, you know, there's something worse than a black IPA. <laughs> I mean, you know, um, we're. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I have the thoughts and comments on the beer. Or, and I, I, I'm not trying to say anything bad about that particular one. But it's going to be great. Yeah. It's, <laughs> um, I, I think this is a challenging style to do well. Yeah. Um, the, the yeast character and the knob character isn't something that you necessarily want to pair together. Yeah, so I think you've got to do it and, you know, it's tough. Like maybe this is a little older of an example so that the, the hop flavor is maybe dropped down a little bit. Mm -hmm. and, uh, no, it was bottled in July. I will. Maybe... It's just in August. It's, 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 it's from July. Oh, okay. Of uh, this year? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just checking. 
What's next? They're going from... Do you want to start from the other side? Maybe start with the white IPA, if you have one? Yep. Alright, let's rinse our palettes and start with the white IPA. Yeah. You're out. Shoots chain breaker. <laughs> so this is also a Belgian IPA, but it's more in the uh, frame of a wit beer. And yeah, that, that is generally what defines the style. Is it's supposed to kind of be a wit beer that takes on a um, um, uh, IPA shoppy profile. Slightly lighter uh, straw than the last one. Original white head. Lingering, lingering bubble. Nice paint. I was getting a little blue. Yes. Um. <laughs> that is the best tasting milk ever. Yeah. Fresh tea tech. Yes, sir. 
Like, so can you write stuff like this? Like, you kind of phrase it, in, you know. Of course. I think that's a great way to phrase it, personally. Put it nicely. But okay. fr- I would go yeah. s- freshly cleaned. I wouldn't go toilet. You know, like so, uh, something I'm that was yeah, just really freshly cleaned in, sink. Industrial really clean bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You're specific. Yeah, but, but, but say, but, you didn't say what it really was. In a good way. But it means like Because there's that hint of cuttiness. Do you try to wax the eloquent on the craziest things you can say? or I mean, that's, I mean, if, if, as long as you can convey, you know, so that it brings up something that, you know, somebody go, oh, okay. I gotcha. You know, otherwise, yeah, you're sort of pent down. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. You're trying to write a perception so that somebody can read it and go, yeah, I'm just ah. There's a little of the cilantro note to it. Little little vegetal aspect to it. Coriander pretty much comes off yeah, as coriander to me. So yeah, and, and, okay. and so does cilantro, so mm-hmm. kind of overpowered that. <clears throat> vanilla? No, banana. Because you have quite a bit of Other than the bitterness, there's not a ton of... Yeah, I mean, the, the hot flavors <laughs> that, that I expect from like a New World... Mm-hmm. Hop, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting orange, but I feel like that's from orange peel, yeah. or orange zest added to the, and from the coriander. Um, but maybe it's just expertly bound together so that it all works seamlessly. But I don't know. I've seen more aggressive white IPAs for sure. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that says IBUs 40 to 70. That would be on the lower scale. Yeah, that would be very Maybe less than that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Could be the spices. Um, so, it's like, yeah, moderate. Kind of moderately full body, too. Mm-hmm. Um, not like moderately full, but moderate, I'd say, for, for the style. Um, well, plus the, the weedy protein, you know, gives it that extra the haze. And the tactile sense, yeah, it's got a little fullness to that. Moderate high carbonation, but, yeah. Um, almost even a little creamy, though. Yeah, well, I, I, in terms <laughs> of drinkability, I, you know, like I said, yeah, a Whip maybe slightly out of bounds, but it's very drinkable. Mm-hmm. Whereas the the Belgian IPA, I really struggled with the, the phenolic character. Yeah. That. So kind of working with a wit base kind of profile, boosting it up maybe a little bit in terms of alcohol strength, um, and then um, adding hopefully some American citrusy hops, but yeah, just a little more maybe for me. Okay, looking backwards. Do you have a ride? Yes. Okay. All right. For rye, we've got hot rod rye from Bear Republic. So for rye IPA, we're just basically going to think. IPA. Now we're going to sub in some rye malt 
get a little bit of that extra bready, interesting character spiciness, and then, um, well, get a little more color in it as well too. Um, but just showcase enough of that um, spicy character for the ride that it kind of takes it to a little bit of a different place. So a sweetness. Mm -hmm. So it's sweetened tropical fruit salad. Fairly clear without using a flashlight. Nice lingering light, light beige or just very fruity. Garlic really comes in, the onion really comes in, punches through. Berry. Berry. Try to think what kind. Razzleberry. Razzleberry. No, I mean, I think it's a raspberry, blackberry blend. Mm -hmm. It's the three berry medley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> strawberry. Uh -huh. Uh, I do feel like I get the spiciness coming through in the final third, um, yeah. you know, where it really lightens up the body uh, and, uh, and sort of sails into the finish yeah. uh, a little lightly. Yeah, that's, that's basically where the rye is coming through. Did it say we finish, I think, the way it looks like I 
Yeah, yeah. It hits the 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 dead zone in the middle of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Doldrums. Yeah, it's got a it's got a bitterness that kind of punches out from your tongue and then just goes. All right, here we are. And then it It stays on the top of my palate and just kind of lingers there, like saying, "I'm not your tongue, but you can still taste me." no, no, I, I'm still, I'm no, still, no, 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 I'm no. still holding on to those receptors. I've got them. I've yeah. got them. You kind of, kind of breathe that in now. I, I wouldn't call it anything pumpernickly or anything like that, but it's just that it is spicy, I guess, in that finish. It's like um, a weak rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get some of that pith, some of the. Um, well, a lot of bitterness, it just finishes with you. But yeah, onion, onion. But there's a little bit of that tropical. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely more of the tropicals. Kind of knocked out relative to the to that garlic. Ooh. Yeah, um, moderate, moderate body. Um, Moderate carbonation as well. A little, you know, moderately high. Um, but I definitely feel astringency going on. Um, it's kind of, yeah. And uh, a little bit of warming, too. Yeah, well, I think this is 8%, something like that. The last one? Yeah, there you go. Wow. Is it? Sounds about right. It's got to be so, what are we on now? This is a brown IPA. Really? Really? Extra special brown ale. Okay. I promise. Okay. I was going to do that. to the restroom, so... There's certainly a lot of fruitiness going on. I almost get a little pineapple. Like prunish? Prunish or uh, slightly caramelized, like it's, you grilled the pineapple. With the prunes? With the prunes. <laughs> and then threw the pineapple out and put the prunes in. Stuff. 
Right, yeah, I, know. I guess maybe I'm warming up a little bit, but... Um, okay. This is kind of similar to the way... No, it's not like the, the way that they're doing the American Brown Ale versus an American Brown Ale. Yeah. No, I don't think so. No, I mean, like, out of the that, that family, the American Brown Ale tends to be the lowest in terms of hopping. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's, this it's, is decidedly under... Yeah, but it's it's also not that nutty character. It's, it's more of a rich, malty, yeah. a depth of malt that... Uh, Okay. So now moving up to Black IPA. Black IPA. Okay. Why they organized them backwards in the guidelines? I don't know. That was Mark speaking for anybody from the BJCP listening. Uh, I think they're going alphabet. <laughs> the alphabet. That's why. Damn you, logic. Because the that is quite literally. Now you know. The, the, the best that, way that. to do this. Oh my gosh. Thank you for pointing out the obvious stuff. That's what that I expected in the brown IPA. <laughs> well, it's not like nutshell in particular. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like some tannin in there? Yeah, it's... Maybe over-toasted nutshell? Yeah. Like, why did I buy these oh. nutshells? Oh, oh, they were on sale. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and what in God's name can it do with them now that I bought them? My arsenic. <laughs> Compost. <laughs> Yeah, really just a faint citrus. Maybe a, let's see, there's like maybe a tie of resin with the burnt note. See, I think I get a hint of pumpernickel. Yeah, sure. Just Toasted like, pumpernickel. Just yeah. that really dark, moist bread. Mm-hmm. Track my chest and just can't yeah, really. Just rough. All right, I'll give you that one tonight. Okay, good. <coughs> that wasn't my point of light. So, wouldn't go with a moderate to high hop and room on this at all. <coughs> Dark brown color. Mahogany, would you say? Oh, yeah. yeah just really like, nice mahogany. I've been like, trying not to use that this time around. It's a nice tight um, fine course or fine bubble head with a. It's been lingering at least for a while. Yeah, probably the best retention of the night. Mm-hmm. Well, you didn't have the, the, <laughs> the chocolate. Oh, I did. The chocolate stuff. Oh, I did. That one that had. 
are slowly opening up to a little more citrus as the head dies. Something over toasted, like not quite burnt, but too far gone to be a good Maillard reaction. Mm -hmm. So, in the five and a half years we've been around, this style has actually come wrong. This style is dead commercial. Mm. It just died within the last <coughs> year and a half. Yeah, I guess I hadn't noticed that there are a lot less popping up. Yeah, and uh, uh, my Oregon distributor was the first to point that out. But I mean, the shoots to me is, is fantastic still, but it's, it's just a weird thing. We did it. We did it last year and year before, but it's just a, it's very hard to pull off without getting that. Open yeah, ashy and yeah. yeah, like this one is really roasty and ashy. Mm -hmm. Well, those are yeah, they're two strong flavors, but it's tough to, to get <laughs> kind of fighting. For yeah, yeah, and it's tough to balance them in a way that makes great sense. The shoots does it, I think, pretty well with the grapefruity, um, competing with the the paratha. Is their hop in the dark you're talking about? Yeah, yeah hop in the dark. Oh, so I think they use fresh hops for that too. Do they? When you brew it once a year, yeah. So that might be why it's kind of yeah. Nice it's like that charred meatish note. Mm, um, yeah, charred meat. But like, not just charred today, charred like two or three times through the grill kind of note. Um, Slight smokiness. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's kind of a fake smoke. Like, I get liquid smoke. Mm -hmm. Just. Yeah. Styles I only like slightly better than Belgian IPA. <laughs> 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 due to her nervousness. <laughs> Um, yeah, moderate body, moderate sporty carbonation, just a little bit of stringency, but I don't know how to call this creamy. Well, wow. that would. <laughs> but yeah, that lingering kind of just resinous char. And that seems to be what the style goes for. Mm -hmm. Resiny char. Yeah. Let's drink some more of your IPA. There's plenty there. Go ahead and drink it. All right. Okay. So that's it. We got, we got through them all. Slow we, didn't, uh, we didn't do red IPA. 
Yeah. I left one out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, think red and IPA. Um, think the, um, the brown one with the uh, IPA. Um, okay, so next week. Um, we're moving into, let's see, um, we're going to cover a, what is that one? An odd technical topic, it's a combination of three of the old questions, or two or three of the old questions on the old exam, involving hot and cold breaks, crozening, gypsum, and fining. Um, well, I think we should be able to move that through pretty quickly. Um, Cover uh, a bit more of the true and false section. Uh, well, didn't we ever call, always already do a stringency? I don't think we did. No, we need tannin for that, which reminds me, you need to remind me to bring tannin. No, I mean, we, we did husky. Okay, husky. So this will actually be the mouthfeel component of that. Um, so we'll cover a bunch of dark beers next week. So we've got British dark beers, um, amber and brown American beer, and American porter and stout. So should be nice, roasty. Um, so read up on those styles, read through the work production kind of character, um, again, because that's going to cover the things that lead to hot and cold breaks, um, as well as leading to um, creating something that's going to be a little stable going into the kettle. Um, and... I think that's it. Okay, any questions? All right. Cool. Oh, thanks. As always, help clean up and return here to its natural state. Thank you, Troy, for bringing uh, yeah. the IPA.